consent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome, Welcome to, to Radical. Radical. Oh, ladies and gents, boys and girls, welcome to Radical. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, guys. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Uh, today, we've got a read out of the Bitcoin magazine on uh, October 31st. We, uh, I guess we celebrated the 14th birthday of Bitcoin. That's when uh, Satoshi Nakamoto first published the Bitcoin white paper uh, in 2008. And, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto, whether it was one guy uh, or a group, uh, which I imagine, you know, the ideas over time uh, were to create a digital type of cash, which, you know, obviously in its first forms, and maybe some of you guys don't know this, there's a great book out there. Uh, it's called The Bullish Case for Bitcoin. It outlines this very well. Um, and so I would definitely recommend uh, put it on your reading list. VJ, uh, and I, boy, I wish I could remember how to say his last name. Um, boy, Ponte, I believe, is close. But um, the bullish case for Bitcoin uh, talks about how Bitcoin came to be originally. Uh, it goes into a further detail after that uh, about Bitcoin. But in terms of how it came to be and why it came to be, that there were failed attempts at digital types of cash, digital types of money prior to Bitcoin. Um, obviously, Bitcoin, when you look around the world, um, Bitcoin is absolutely the uh, number one biggest, you know, what I'll call a cryptocurrency. Um, and it's because Bitcoin hasn't forked. It, it has, the code is damn near perfect, right? It's like the incentive structure works, the communications protocol works, um, the the energy blockchain works. Like this, this thing has been just rolling and picking up steam without anybody um, at the helm so to speak, right? Like this is a decentralized network. There is no body. There is no one person. There is no individual. There is no company. There is nothing that controls Bitcoin. It is a code. And as a communications protocol, a, a constitution that you either are in or you're not in, and, and it's your choice, um, has grown by leaps and bounds. And you know, it has its detractors, it has its FUD, it has its, you know, information that is absolutely cooked up and false that these guys have been ahead of ever since. And the response to 2008 is very important. 2008 is when everything began uh, in, in my early adult life to melt down in the economy. Um, I saw it firsthand as a first-time home buyer and all that kind of stuff in like 2007 as this thing was just crashing and then the people that got hurt were the people on you know the the regular street right like not wall street no those guys got bailed out the banks got bailed out the giant corporations got bailed out and the mom and pop shops the average worker you guys got screwed um and they they took out tons and tons and tons of money in your name in your kids name in your grand in, in your grandkids all of these people that have not even been born yet they took out money, and the people that made extremely bad financial decisions were bailed out, and you weren't. So 
in this episode, uh, we do a little reading. I'll come back in and talk about this afterward. But um, I hope you enjoy this piece. Uh, there are going to be things that uh, they talk about that I think are right. And then there are things that I'm going to disagree with a little bit uh, in this. But still a great write-up. People that are adding to this culture that are contributing and all that kind of stuff, I think, um, are doing an amazing job, especially the people over at Bitcoin Magazine. So uh, without further ado, the opinion piece by Archie Chowdhury. Reflecting on Satoshi Nakamoto's manifesto, the Bitcoin white paper, 14 years later, Bitcoin has shown its strengths and that it has a long way to go to achieve its original goals. Archie Chowdhury, October 31st, 2022. This is an opinion editorial by Archie Chowdhury, a blockchain enthusiast and previous winner of the top prize at the 2021 MIT Bitcoin Expo. When Satoshi Nakamoto first published the Bitcoin white paper in October of 2008, the world was reeling from a financial crisis caused by irresponsibility and negligence of the institutions that controlled our financial system. Hedge funds, central banks, and other powerful agents had all been too happy to place over-leveraged bets on the economy and to profit from economic losses incurred by the working class when the bets collapsed. Governments, in a desperate attempt to keep these institutions alive, spent hundreds of billions of dollars in bailouts and other monetary injections instead of ensuring the well-being of the average citizen. Bitcoin was Satoshi Nakamoto's answer to state-backed money. It was a vision for a decentralized digital currency that could provide the efficiency of online banking, the relative pseudonymity of physical cash, and the scarcity of gold. Unlike previous attempts at creating digital cash, Bitcoin was not backed by or controlled by a singular entity or party, but rather by an anonymous developer or developers, a set of faceless forum visitors and a small online community that believed in using cryptographic software for privacy and independence from authoritarian powers. Nakamoto's ultimate goal was to create an asset that was autonomous, decentralized, and was not susceptible to the greed or will of any one individual. October 31st, the day Satoshi Nakamoto formally announced their white paper to the cypherpunks mailing list, has come to be known as Bitcoin White Paper Day and is celebrated as an informal declaration of independence from corporate state-backed money heard across the world. The purpose of this article is to reflect on how far we have come since then and how much work remains to be done in order to accomplish Nakamoto's goals. The Bitcoin that we use today is vastly different from the Bitcoin that Satoshi Nakamoto and his fellow contributors created in the late 2000s and early 2010s. Beyond the numerous technological upgrades and hard forks, the network itself has grown significantly, with more and more people taking the proverbial orange pill and deciding to use Bitcoin in some capacity. There's another way in which Bitcoin has changed. The core network and asset, BTC, is thought of more as a store of value rather than a platform for micropayments. Indeed, there was a significant cultural schism within the Bitcoin community that led to this change, the famous and aptly titled Block Size Wars, approximately five years ago, led to this change, with forks such as Bitcoin Cash and later Bitcoin SV being created by the community members who believed in scalability over all else, 
and the core Bitcoin chain being upheld by members who sought to preserve decentralization and to look at alternative methods such as Layer 2 payments channels to support scalability. The Lightning Network, which is the most popular payment channel, has slowly gained popularity, recently reaching a capacity of 5,000 Bitcoin. Despite these changes, the core technology tenants espoused by Nakamoto in 2008, Nakamoto's consensus with proof-of-work mining and static maximum supply of 21 million, remain constant. This is not solely because of a technological or economic reason. In fact, it has been argued that changing Bitcoin's underlying consensus mechanism, or supply cap, would lead to increased performance and adoption, respectively. Rather, Bitcoin's consistency in these areas can be attributed to the philosophy of its underlying community who believe strongly in scarcity, security, and decentralization over all else. Meanwhile, Bitcoin is being used by people around the world to stave off unruly economic conditions. Bitcoin's natural scarcity makes it attractive for citizens where corruption has led to unrestricted inflation. This adoption has led some governments, such as El Salvador, to declare Bitcoin a national currency, a move that would have been unfathomable to Nakamoto and Bitcoin's original contributors. Perhaps the most interesting thing to take from Bitcoin's progress over the past couple of years is that it has happened without a central leader. Unlike alternative assets that are more akin to decentralized software platforms, Bitcoin functions purely as money, with key policy decisions being made by a community. There is no Bitcoin organization or representative solely responsible for promoting adoption, nor is there a central chief scientist that has a significant impact on key protocol-level decisions. While there are certainly major influences within the community, the protocol as a whole does not have an organized structure to lead either adoption or development. In fact, Bitcoin's lack of hierarchy should be a goal for other distributed ledger projects who, while perhaps decentralized to a certain degree, are still largely influenced by a singular entity or individual. While Bitcoin has certainly grown from its humble beginnings as a white paper and a couple hundred lines of scrappy code, it still has a long way to go if it is to achieve the ambitious goals discussed by Nakamoto and other early adopters in the email chains and forum post. From a technical standpoint, the Bitcoin community needs to continue building technology that not only enables further scalability and security, but perhaps more importantly, also helps make the network more decentralized. One of the most staunch mottos of the Bitcoin community members have adopted is the term, don't trust, verify. This is, of course, in reference to running a full Bitcoin node and not relying on data from external third parties such as node providers. Network optimization, rollups, and other scalability research has been proposed by various individuals in the Bitcoin community as a way of the network to simultaneously scale while decreasing the cost it takes to run a full node. A recent report published by John Light through the research funded by the Human Rights Foundation, Starkware, and CMS Holdings provides more detail about rollup-related scalability research. Despite its roots in technology, Bitcoin has evolved over the years to become something more. It is now a community, a network, if you will, 
of like-minded individuals who all have some varying degrees of belief in a singular idea. Bitcoin is no longer a software, privy to only developers, coders, or those with a highly technical background, and this marked the shift should also signal additional non-technical priorities for the Bitcoin community to address over the next decade. More effort needs to be spent on educating the general public and making them aware of not only Bitcoin's technology, but also the failures of the legacy financial systems that they use today. More effort needs to be spent not only on touting Bitcoin's economics and technology, but also drawing on distinctions between Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency platforms. Finally, more effort needs to be made among the cryptocurrency community as a whole to come together when the fundamental principles that Satoshi Nakamoto and his fellow cypherpunks believed in are threatened by authoritarian governments, regardless of the platform that is being attacked. While discussions around varying blockchain networks have always been tribalistic to a degree, the recent trend has been to promote the success of your platform over all else, and even chide or insult platforms who face potential regulatory scrutiny, while believing that Bitcoin is the most sound digital asset in terms of economics, construction, and getting into arguments about said belief is okay and should be encouraged. Celebrating when an alternative platform is threatened with regulatory action or censorship goes against what Bitcoin is fundamentally all about. The cypherpunk Satoshi Nakamoto and a majority of Bitcoin's community all believe in the idea that one day there can be a digital peer-to-peer -peer currency completely independent of any government, intermediary, or biased party. While we certainly have various disagreements about the pros and cons of our respective technology, belong to different maximalist groups, and in general have varying beliefs, we all ultimately belong to a space that was motivated by the idea of a censorship-resistant and nonpartisan digital asset network. We would do well to remember that fundamental principle as we continue to work on Bitcoin over the next 14 years. All right, that concludes the reading. So let's let's get into this a little bit. Um, Let's first and foremost, I guess, talk about we kind of establishing this is where Bitcoin came from. The the understanding for a lot of people out there that Bitcoin was a response to the bankers and the government and the corporations, you know, that all got bailed out in 2008 when they were the ones, in fact, that made terrible, terrible financial decisions. This is what a fiat economy does, right? A fiat economy just perpetuates super, super bad decisions because banks who control the money and who will loan out the money will give money to the people that they see holding up their ideology, their vision, what they are doing to carry out whatever they need to do. And so there's a lot of people out there um, from places like, let's say, the WEF, the World Economic Forum, whether it's the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, uh, the IMF, you know, the, the Bank of Settlements, whatever you're talking about, there are people with giant plans for humanity to steer it with large, I mean, just absolutely um, mind-blowing amounts of money, which, you know, for them... They just create a thin. They create it out of thin air. That's that's obviously a big problem. If you can create giant amount and just at, I mean astronomical amounts of money that are mind melting, 
out of thin air and give those to people for, I don't know, legislation, give it to people for bureaucracy, give it to people for banks and lending and doing, you know, whatever it is they deem um, they want to happen. So if they want to come in and they want to develop an area um, with, you know, low rent type of housing, if that's what they want to do, if they want to create, you know, these quote unquote green areas and whatever it is, like I, I'm all for, you know, the, the preservation uh, of, of, you know, the environment, but not because of a fiat type of currency. I'm all for people, you know, getting loans, but not with fiat currency. This, this drives us into a place of the, the, the fiat world where you're trying to make a dollar go as far as possible because if you put it into savings or you just let it sit, it's losing value. So these people with their giant plans, whether, you know, like I said, it's UN, WEF, whatever, you know, NATO, these giant organizations, kind of nameless, faceless, non-responsible organizations steering people with giant amount of fiat currency that they breathe into existence. That is exactly why Bitcoin came into being. It was a slap in the face, a kick in the nuts by a bunch of really, really smart people that said, you know what? If we're going to go to war with the banks, we can't, we're not going to win this thing in a straight up battle. You can't do it. You can't be a name or a face or somebody that has ties to something that is, you know, um, you know, something you can lean on. This is a completely decentralized network. It is a completely decentralized community that agrees to something extremely important, which I talk about and I am going to talk about more and more and more. And that is our communications protocol. If you think of human beings as, I don't know, let's just say algorithms. Let's say that people in the system in terms of what we do, how we act, what you know, what our interests are, all of these things are somewhat algorithmic, right? Like this is a real thing. This is what people in tech companies have been trying uh, to do for a long time: is see if they can predict what you need, what you're going to do. It's a very, I mean, like literally data that you have input into the system, whether you're buying things, whether you're listening to things, whether you're watching things, like all of these things, the the, the people that you communicate with, these all are data points and what you do in this world in terms of contribution. You know, are you consuming? Are you creating? What What is it that you do? Like you have a purpose. You really do. You have a purpose. I don't know if you have a mission, but you have a purpose. You have a passion. And to interact with other programs that are all trying to survive and, well, you know, for the most part, most people are trying to survive. Most people are trying to be left alone. Most people are trying to secure as, you know, at least a living, some food, some shelter, some, you know, some some clothes, the the basics of life, not only are they trying to secure it, but a lot of people are trying to grow that and insulate themselves because by human nature, 
we are programmed to do just those things. That's how humanity has advanced over the years. Somebody had a little bit more today than they needed, so they saved it. Crazy idea, right? As we save a little bit so that tomorrow maybe is not quite as hard. Maybe we're not at risk of starving or dying of dehydration or you know, uh, exposure to the elements. We learn skills that we can pass on or we learn skills that we can trade with other people through a communications protocol. Now, on a fundamental level, right, in a small village, this works. This is easy because somebody needs something that you have. And, and when we're talking about basic survival, this is simple. Now, when you expand that outside of people that you know, outside of people that you live with, outside of maybe your your neighborhood, right, now you're talking about having to create trust between you and somebody else. Well, how do you do that? If you don't need, let's say, chicken eggs from somebody and they don't need your apples, how do you guys or, you know, how do you how do you think about trading? How do you, how do you how are you going to do this? How are you going to get to a point where you can trade with not only them, but now as a species and we're going to recover an economy after this giant crash takes place, which we're watching in real time, how are you going to recover international trade? How are you going to recover this communications protocol around the world? Because the communications protocol that we have right now is an infection. It is a corrupted communications protocol. This fiat that drives all this spending, this waste, this abuse, this bailout system, these risky things that you know make no sense. For the average normal person that wants to live their life and be left alone and, and scrape together just enough, hopefully to be okay tomorrow, maybe be okay in their old age. Like this fiat system doesn't make any sense. We're going to watch in real time. We are going to watch Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the VA system, anything in terms of food stamps. All of this stuff is going to be abandoned. It is going to be wiped out when the Federal Reserve and the United States dollar is is printed or digitized into infinity. It's all going to be wiped out. The communications protocol of a fiat currency is just that. It's a lie. It is a giant lie that you can never, ever, ever walk back. You just get to the point where they have to give it up. What happens in those times? Those times get pretty scary for a lot of, you know, a, a lot of history. A lot of war goes on. A lot of death goes on. A lot of bodies, you know, get stacked up. And at some point, people have had enough of the killing and say, peace, 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 peace. And what do they do? The bankers, the corporations, and the elite politicians come together and say, okay, we'll give you peace. But you have to take it with these strings. This is the response to that. This is a bypass of what history has always shown us happens when economies melt down because of fiat currency. This is a brand new communications protocol, 14 years in the making now, that we can adopt through consent. That we can trade with each other 
through consent, through peace. This changes everything. The infection that has to happen, that is happening, the quote-unquote orange pill, this is happening now. Communications protocol is getting changed in human beings across the planet. I think there's over 150 million people in Bitcoin now. That's no small number. That's half of the United States in Bitcoin around the world, decentralized, that are all doing infection work into the communications protocol of the human species. This is not a small idea. This is the basis of the idea. If you can fix the communications protocol between person A and person B, whether they are in the same family or they live completely around the world, we cut out the cancer that is fiat in our lives. That's it. It's that simple. And now we get to consent and we get to peace and the wars really, really, really come to, I don't say, I'm, I'm not going to say they come to an end, but when they can't take your money to fund their bullshit wars, what are they going to do? They're going to have to act accordingly. With Bitcoin, they're going to be in an Austrian economy versus a Keynesian economy. An Austrian economy requires that you save for tomorrow, that you save your wealth, that you Make sure that you've got something for tomorrow, for your for your retirement, for your kids, whatever that is. That's an Austrian economy. You can't take those people's stuff. It removes the incentive to force. It fixes the communications protocol. This is what Bitcoin and its power is. It is communication protocol between each other. That is, it removes the corruption, it removes the cancer, and it inserts peace and consent in the way we interact with each other. It's unfathomable that, I guess, people out there, whether they like it or not, are pushing around the FUD about Bitcoin and, and whatever it is, whether it's energy, whether it's the fact that it's, you know, quote, unquote, not real, the fact that they just don't understand it and they talk so um, abashedly and their ignorance about it is insane to me. But in this article, you know, we start to understand, you know, first and foremost, why it came about, right? And I don't think enough time is given. And that's why, you know, I, I'm going to continue, continue to talk about fixing the communication protocol between people while removing the fiat cancer that is infected every transaction that we have with each other and can be taken through force and coercion. Um, they get in, you know, further into the article and the, one of the things that, you know, he talked about is how it's changed, um, how, how Bitcoin has changed from the 2008, um, you know, kind of the, the cypherpunk, um, cryptographers that are super technical into, uh, things that are a little more cultural things that are, uh, being adopted by countries even. The fact that we've got you know layer two uh, payment channels in terms of the Lightning Network for for scalability, this is huge, right? Because on the initial communications protocol piece, they're building more technology that moves that communications protocol faster, more securely around the world without sacrificing what is near and dear to Bitcoin, right? That near and dearness to Bitcoin 
scarcity over time and space and scales, and proof of work. They haven't sacrificed that. What they're doing is building on top of it. They're not forking. They're not changing the code. They are building on top of it, just like TCP IP for computers. You are going to use email. You're going to use social media. You're going to use Web5 when it comes around, thanks to Jack Dorsey. I know there's a lot of you know controversy around there, but I, I think Jack is starting to see a bigger picture. I think that he saw something you know that he did with Twitter that he goes, oh man, I wish I could take that back and do it again. The beautiful thing is now he and Elon, who owns Twitter outright as private, now these two, I guarantee you behind the scenes, um, they are looking at this with two giant minds and some amazing people uh, that are going to probably do some pretty big things in terms of the Bitcoin space, the lightning space, the social media space. This is huge. Has it changed? Of course it has. And as more of these type of guys start to stand up, the Jack Dorseys, the Elon Musk, the Joe Rogans, you name it, you know, we're looking at technical, we're looking at cultural, we're looking at social, like all this stuff is changing. I mean, Jesus, oh, Pete, there's, I mean, there's a guy that I want to have on that's uh, doing uh, CrowdShare uh, health insurance now, healthcare. Amazing. It's changing everything. And it will continue as this communications protocol begins to root out and eat this fiat cancer that's infected our lives. You're going to see this in every aspect, how it's going to free us, how it's going to change us, and how it's going to take these fiat powerful people and either have them come in line with Bitcoin peace, consent, free, you know, like free market, communications protocol, or it's going to bring them to their knees. They're going to get desperate. They're going to get sloppy. They're going to continue to print dollars into infinity for the people that will accept them. But I think that's going to change. Um, Furthermore, into this article, he also gets into, um, I, I think, the... The idea that there's some, you know, Bitcoin maximalist, and you know, I'm I'm one of these people. Like I'm I'm definitely a Bitcoin maximalist. I I get his take when he talks about the the purpose of Bitcoin was never to be like, hey, you know, like it's Bitcoin or or nothing, right? We believe, you know, a lot of us are like, well, it's definitely Bitcoin or nothing. Um, but we also see when these other types of Know, cryptos out there that are most of the time centralized, um, most of the time have sacrificed the time, space, scales, and proof of work um, that we rely on so heavily in Bitcoin as our base layer of communications. Like we we don't believe in those guys, right? And when we see them fail because they've taken people's money and they've done you know what they've called a, a rug pull, you know, a lot of times. We're kind of happy to see that. We hate seeing people lose their ass. We're, I mean, we're out here trying to help people understand, but like, there's a there is a large schism. Like he says, there's a huge schism between crypto and Bitcoiners, right? Like even Ethereum. We think Ethereum is definitely and kind of know through um, the back end of things that Ethereum is a WEF co-op now. It is a centralized type of organization that is having real trouble. That has forked their code. That has you know, when you fork a code, it's just an admission that it wasn't good. 
It wasn't, you know, it wasn't base layer protocol. You had to change the communications protocol. They're, they're going through that right now in terms of, you know, proof of work versus proof of stake is what, you know, Ethereum and the rest of these, you know, guys do. And I'll, uh, clowns, yeah, I guess you want to call them that if, they, if they're not studied in uh, Austrian economics, then yeah, there's a lot of us that, you know, are like, yeah, let's go. Let's cheer these guys falling off, getting found out, being seen for who they are. There, There is a lot of people that get into quote unquote crypto that create their own crypto that, you know, have this totally different culture than Bitcoin that are all about, you know, mansions and Lamborghinis and fake boobs and stuff like that. Like that's not the Bitcoin community. That's not it at all. It is not freedom. It is not cutting out the fiat, you know, uh, the, the, the fiat communications protocol that is really infected and changed our lives that is that is enslaved most of humanity. That's not what most crypto is about. And so when Bitcoin maximalists see things like, I don't know, Doge or, you know, any of these other organizations fail because they haven't done the homework or they're in a they're in a in a scheme, right? They're they're trying to take money. Like I I totally understand the Bitcoin maxis out there really kind of having a good laugh when this happens to those guys you know that i really do now do i think and can i agree in this article that we shouldn't be cheering when the government gets involved and says you can't do this kind of stuff you can't have uh this type of money of course not i don't think government should be involved with money at all i think it's probably one of the greatest damn downfalls of the human species is allowing government uh, to be intertwined with a currency. Whether they, like, they shouldn't be making any decisions with it whatsoever. Most of them, I think most people just regard these people as liars and cheats and murderers. Absolutely, 100%. Why on earth would you want them involved with currency at all? I think there is a real place for this, right? Like when we look at the market, we should look at a market in terms of freedom. We should look at it and say, yeah, you know what? Gold, silver, lead, precious metals, all these things want to compete with Bitcoin. That should be okay. If people want to accept those types of payments, that should be absolutely legal. There shouldn't be somebody with a badge and a gun telling these people that they can't accept gold. They can't accept, you know, lead they can't accept whatever they want to get paid in even if it's shitty crypto like that okay you want to get paid in uh i don't know monero you want to get paid in doge you want to get paid in you know ethereum okay that's up to you that's up to them will they fail maybe the hard assets probably won't fail but things like crypto which are mostly fiat because they are centralized and they are breathed into existence by a centralized, you know, code and power and board or person. Like those things are going to fail. They have to fail because they've sacrificed the principles of economics. Being saleable over time, space, scales, and proof of work in a positive incentive structure that is reinforcing the distributed, decentralized absolutely ironclad code like you can't fake that you can't change it it's zero to one technology as they say 
Everything else is something else. Everything else is a copy, it's a paste, it is sacrificed some principle along the way to be there. But I don't think, at the end of the day, the government should be the people going, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. We're going to point guns at you and stop you from you know, trying to, I guess, take, take advantage of, of people who haven't done their homework. Right? It's upon each and every person out there to do their homework, to find truth, to find principle, to find bedrock, and to understand what communications protocol is. I'm going to continue to preach about this kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm really, you know, this is our future. If we cannot fix our communications protocol with each other, we will be enslaved in the very, very near future. Everybody. And there won't be a resistance. There won't be a revolution. There won't be radicals. Because what they will do is they will debank you. They will cut you off. As soon as you have CBDCs and your credit score isn't what it needs to be, your social credit score isn't what it needs to be for them, you're done. You're not going anywhere. You're not spending your money on anything. You don't get to do anything. Your communications protocol from everybody else will be cut off. And then that's when the darkness really comes. So, you got some choices to make. CBDCs are coming. I'm trying them in Europe. They are being floated in the UK right now. The, uh, the the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, has already talked about the white paper and releasing a CBDC. There is no end to inflation. They printed $8 trillion in two years, which took, I think, the debt over, I don't know, somewhere around 235 years from our inception as a country, right? 235 years to reach about $8 trillion. I think it was under Barack Obama. The first time the government had a debt of $8 trillion. And now, since Barack read, I don't know, $31, $32 trillion of debt because they're printing money faster than ever and handing it out to their friends, not only here, but around the world, to wash to give to whatever organizations they want that are evil as shit, that's what you're up against. Get out of the banks. Get out of the stocks. Get out of the forex. Get out of the markets. And get into hard assets. Gold, silver, lead. Make sure that you have everything like your shelter, your water, some fuel, things like these. Like this is going to be super, super important. I'm telling you, like this is what we're going to concentrate on from here out. You better have these things lined up. And if you got some money left over, start creating a parallel economy where you live. Start teaching people about Bitcoin. This is not a wrap. We're not there. We haven't won. There is a ton of work to be done now in education. I don't care if you're a novice. Your goal should be to be a teacher, to be a disciple of how we, com how we communicate. This communications protocol, that should be your mission from here out. That's going to be the mission in this podcast. We are going to do giant things with this. We are going to, first and foremost, 
restore a lot of the warrior class. The perverted warrior class, the communications protocol that they took and they shoved down our throats from the time we were five till the time we were 18, sending us off to war to do god-awful things for the fiat banks, the fiat corporations, and the fiat politicians, we're going to fix the warrior class. I've got a program in the works now with proof of work again. Wait till you see these warriors on this mission that understand the communications protocol piece. Oh, toxic masculinity, you don't understand anything. We are going to fix so much of what went wrong. We are going to help people and their codes get repaired. Take the perversion out. Take the fiat out and plug in something real. We are going to put them on a mission of love, of helping their local neighborhoods, of helping themselves be better people, giving them purpose and giving them mission again. All of these guys that came back that are suffering from post-traumatic stress, we've got giant plans for them. And if you're one of those people and you need some help, you need a mission, you need some passion, you're in the right place. Oh man, I am so excited to bring this part to you guys. Like this is going to absolutely fundamentally change not only your local area, but the entire world. We have got some of the biggest names in Bitcoin. Some of the most, I don't know, just amazing people on earth. They're going to help us tell these stories. And the work that we are going to do and the work that those people are going to do is something that they can't stop. The fiats can't stop this new communications protocol that we are going to roll out, wrap in love, and invade the human species with. It's going to be incredible. I think that's going to wrap it up for Wednesday. I know these these things are these are, these are mind melting, but I hope you're fired up. I hope you're seeing what I'm seeing. I hope I'm communicating this effectively. I cannot wait to bring to you the people that we've already taken out to do this type of oh man experience. These experiences are going to be shared with you. We're going to share it with the world. We're going to multiply. We are going to have people moving in and out and everywhere into these places. And they are going to be extremely well-funded. Yeah. We see it. It's on the horizon. I appreciate each and every one of you helping us do it. If you want to help the show, you can go to patreon.com slash radical pod. You can become a patron. You can pay us there. Help us uh, reach more people. And if you're really into this Bitcoin stuff, you can go out and uh, go to Cash App. Shane Hazel is uh, where you can send uh, some money. So if you don't want to be a patron, you don't want to do the month-to-month stuff, hey, you know what? $5 here, $10 there, 20 bucks, whatever it is that you can help us out with to help these guys get out there, uh, learn, 
and then understand and then be disciples of this new communication protocol would be really, really, really helpful. Um, if you're looking to become a sponsor, you can email me at shane at shanehazel.com or shane at radicalpod.com. Um, and as soon as we have the fiber across the street on the pole ready to go here, hopefully soon, um, we're going to turn all this on and it's going to change everything. Uh, outside of that, what else have we got here? Um, if you want to earn sats just for listening, Fountain FM. It's an app. You can earn sats. It helps me earn sats. Um, and if you want to chop it up and create clips, you get sats and I get sats, right? Like win, win, win sats right now, like really, really cheap getting sats for 10 years down the line, just listening to podcasts. Unbelievable. Fountain FM is where you can find that. And I think that's going to wrap it for today. Ladies and gents, I hope you have a great Wednesday. I'll see you back here. Manana until then. I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take this back.